All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. everybody welcome or good afternoon i guess wherever you are tim right thanks for joining us here on dropping the gloves we so we really appreciate the support i hope everybody's having a nice friday getting ready for the weekend tim's gonna finally go back to north carolina tim how long has it been since you've been at home yeah it's been like a week plus 10 days something like that so i'm gonna hit the road after work today get as far as i can i'm gonna hopefully get past new york city so I can avoid it in the morning and then just do my whatever remaining 10 hours tomorrow. No, I would just rip right through. Just go for it. Just poof, straight shot, Tim. You can do it. Drive through the night, get there in the morning. <laughs> yeah, there was one time I was up in Houghton, Michigan. I went to Michigan Tech. I think it was it was about when I was going to start pro. Yeah, so I, I was doing summer classes. I didn't graduate after my senior year. For a myriad of reasons. Anyways, I, I was getting ready for camp. I didn't go to the NHL camp. A whole other thing, the NHL camp. So the prospects camp, and I'll just do a tangent here. There was a prospects camp in Traverse City where I live now, and the Wild were a part of it. I guess the prospects were so bad and so terrible that Jacques Lemaire was like, I don't want these kids at the NHL camp. And so he just said, we're only having the NHL players at camp, plus a few other guys that I think could make the team. So usually a a camp has 50, 60 players to start off with. He had like 30, the whole camp. He's like, I don't want these young kids ruining my camp. He just like, screw it. Send them, send them back to the AHL or send them back to the junior teams. I'm not having them. I wasn't at the prospects camp, but I got lumped in with these kids because I was a college, whatever. I was 22, 23, you know, and I just went right to the AHL camp. I was like, come on. But anyways, I was getting ready to go down to Houston. I was up in Houghton, wrapping up things, packing up my truck, about to drive down. I get a call from the assistant coach saying, hey, where are you? I'm like, what do you mean? Where am I? He's, I'm like, it's Tuesday. Camp starts on Friday. I'm getting ready to go. Like, we're going to leave. And he's like, uh, no, camp starts on Thursday. It's Tuesday at two o'clock. I'm like, What? He's like, yeah, camp starts like in a day and a half. Get your tail down here. So I had to quickly throw everything into the back of my truck. I left Wednesday morning, got there Thursday morning, and just walked right into the rink for my first ever AHL camp on zero sleep. 
25 and a half hours from Houghton to Houston. It was insane. Straight through. I wasn't a big coffee drinker or caffeine drinker. Downing monsters the whole way. Like, it was insane. So it can be done. But I guess you don't have a, a pressing timeline as I did. No, there's a different level of motivation for you and the money and living your dream. No big deal. But How dumb was I, though? Like, it's just so dumb. My first pro camp, so excited, and I just get the days wrong. I'm just like, oh, you need every... You need to involve Danielle in that. She would have had you there on time, <clears throat> well-rested, well-fed. She would have taken care she of She didn't you. want me playing pro hockey, Tim. Yes, she did. Early on, no. she let you try it. She's like, three years, then you're done. And okay, so that was my year your, one. Right, she, yeah, she yeah. was involved. So it's not like she was a, a massive cheerleader. She's like, go and get this out of your system, whatever this is, and then you can get a real job. It's like, okay, sounds good. Look, look where we're at now, baby. <laughs> doing a hockey podcast she hates it <laughs> were you married but, yet at that point no we uh just we were not even engaged at that point so i think we got engaged the next summer we had just started dating we were like we started dating after my senior year of college so it was still fresh but yeah very very stressful drive down walked i, I still remember walking and everyone's like you look like garbage i'm like yeah i just drove 26 hours i've been downing monsters and red bulls and coffees and all right, let's let's do camp. <laughs> it's unbelievable. But anyways, you're going home later today. We got a podcast to do. There's lots of tough to lots of stuff to talk about. Well, let's recap Ryan Reeves. I wanted to go over that because I had a great time. It's not often you get an interview where it's just like fun. Revo was in a good mood. You can tell he was happy. He's going to Toronto. He's got three-year deal under his belt. He's going to ride off into the sunset, hopefully with the Stanley Cup. But what did you think of that interview, Tim? It was great, right? It was great, especially the second half. You guys just just giving it to each other. You told him he was overpaid to his face his whole his entire career, which is great. <laughs> I posted the um, the little bit where you said, yeah, there were multiple years where I didn't have any points. And he was like, yeah, I believe that. And so there was a comment on Instagram about it. And they're like, go look at John Scott's career highlights. You can watch all five of his goals without taking a breath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, what are you going to do? You got to embrace it. I didn't score many points. It is what it is. He actually puts up some decent points. What I saw was people wanted me to ask him if he was going to fight Lucic this year. Yeah. And we talked about it before the show, you and I. I know I asked Luch about it when we, when we talked to him. Are you going to fight Revo? I hate putting fighters on the spot like that because I was always put in that position. It's like, are you going to fight this guy? Are you going to fight this guy? It's uncomfortable. I don't want to do that to somebody when I just hated when people would do that to me. Are you going to fight Colt Nor? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Maybe. I don't know. And then you just get nervous and it's just, it's just whole big thing. So I'm sorry, everybody. I just didn't want to put him in that situation. I want him to fight, you know, Luch. I was thinking about it, but you know, I just didn't want to do it. So anyways, it was a good, good guy. I'm excited to see how he does in Toronto. Do you think he's going to make a huge difference? there at all like what where is he going to impact the team more in the locker room or on the ice well both because he does have a presence he's not he's not there to score 40 goals like he's like he said but guys behave better when he's around and there hasn't been a guy like him in this division in a long time it feels like uh most i'm forgetting somebody but when's the last time there was a heavy in the, in the atlantic that actually struck fear in people yeah it's probably been a minute i don't know probably back in the days when i played maybe it's been a while there it's funny how 
the, the, the shift of the heavyweights goes when I was in the league, it was like, okay, everyone's out West and then it goes out East and then now it's out eight. And now in the Atlantic division, all of a sudden Milan Lucic goes to Boston, Ryan Reeves goes to, to Toronto. And now the Ottawa senators just signed Zach McEwen to a three-year deal. Those are three big heavies. And it all was initiated by Ryan Reeves. So it's just funny how these things works. GM is like, okay, check, checkmate, counter move, move, counter move. Everybody's looking at all the other teams, what they're doing. Okay, you get Ryan Reeves. Well, we got to protect our players. We're not going to let you run around and just bury Norris and Kachuk. And who else? Stutzel and these guys. We got to get Zach McEwen to kind of address that. So it's interesting. I love it. It's, it's a good thing for the hockey league. Do you think right? you got a lot of people jobs just by being around? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, for sure. I kept all like a lot of guys in the league for a few more years just because I was kicking around. And the same could be said for me. I wouldn't get a job if it wasn't for Luch in Buffalo. So it's just it's good for it's good for business. Speaking of Toronto and players and who's going to be there and who is Ryan Reeves trying to protect, one of the main reasons he's going there is Willie Nylander. One of the the dynamic, what was the four? The Marvel four. It was what was they called? Fantastic one of the fantastic four. Willie Nylander, this is his last year on his deal, Tim. He's going to be a UFA next year. The kid is having a great career. He is out kicking his contract right now. He only makes $6.962 million. He consistently puts up 70, 80 points. He's on the power play. He's an all-star. He was the best player in the playoffs last year. He needs a new deal. He wants to be paid like the other three. He wants Matthews, Tavares, Marner money. There's not enough money to go around. You can't have guys making $10 million, four guys making $10 million, but that's exactly what Willie Nylander wants. He wants $10 million. What are the Leafs saying to Willie Nylander, Tim? They're, they want to meet him at $8 million. And so there's like a standoff right now. And it, we, Nylander is a 26-year-old 40-goal scorer. Like he is... If it wasn't for Matthews and Marner, like we, he, he's a superstar. He's he's a budding superstar right now, and so he wants to go get paid like one. And then that brings the question: like you know, Toronto can't afford it. Do you think he's intentionally pricing himself out? Is he forcing a trade or forcing a a, a message? You know, like hey, I'm not coming back by asking for this much money because you know they can't give it to you. Well, no, you ask what you think you're worth, and I think he is definitely worth ten million dollars in today's market. It, it, it is what it is. It's it's not his fault that they don't have the money to re-sign him. By the way, one of the best contracts signed by Kyle Dubas was the Wheelie Nealander contract. Five years, 6.9 mil per, or six years, excuse me. It was a beautiful contract, $45 million. So well done by Kyle Dubas. We'll, we'll touch on him in a little bit, how he's doing in Pittsburgh. But it, it is what it is. Willie Nylander is a star in the NHL, like it or not. I don't really like it. I think he has to work on a lot of aspects of his game. I think there's a lot of holes in his game. But when it comes down to brass tacks, this guy puts up points. He put up 87 points last year. He's got another 80-point season in his under his belt. And like you said, he's only 27 years old. 26. Yeah. 27 years old. Um, It's 27 years old. Right? Okay. Are we going to do this in front of the kids? He's 27 <laughs> years old. Um, it, I think what it boils down to and what we were talking about before the show, this is Toronto's last year to win the Stanley Cup with these four guys. 
all four of them will not be there next year. It's impossible to fit all four of these guys under the cap and to have a good team surrounding them. You can't re-sign Willie Nylander. This will be his last season with the Toronto Maple Leafs unless you get rid of one of the other guys, Tavares, Marner, Matthews. I don't know what to do. You're Brad Trevealing. You're coming into this situation and you have seismic decisions to make right now. Matthews and Nylander are on the last years of their contracts. What do you do? What? Uh, like what? I, I don't know. I, I do not envy his situation. You have to pick one player and just say, you're my guy for the next seven years. Cause one of these guys is going to get a seven year deal. I think it's going to be Matthews. He's marketable. He's big. He's a couple years younger. He's a 60 goal scorer. He's the guy. He's going to cost 12, $13 million. Can you win with a guy making that much money? I don't know. Recent history suggests, no, you can't win a Stanley cup with a guy making that much money and fill out the roster with good players around him. So I don't know. What do you think they do, Tim? You're, you have your kind of, you, you have the pulse of the league right now more than I do. I think what's the, what's the direction they go here. So wouldn't tree living in the interview for the GM job, like have brought a plan with him? Like not that he'd have to be concrete and hundred percent stick to it, but doesn't he have to like interview and pitch what he envisioned for the future, or at least the near future of this team? You would think, right. But executives, I don't think understand. <laughs> I don't know. You would think he would have an idea. Shani obviously is still pulling the strings here. He has the ultimate idea of where the Toronto Maple Leafs should go, but they're they're going to be over the cap going into this season this year. They have to make moves. Once they get Elias Samsonov's situation figured out, and we'll touch on that in a little bit, they still need to, you know, cut some salary. There, there's some room that needs to some work that needs to be done here with the Leafs. But just going back to Willie Nylander, he wants 10. Leafs want him at eight. I think he's worth 10. I really do. And uh, I think he will get it easily going to the market. So what do you do? This is this is a tricky situation that Trevealing finds himself in. You're coming up to the trade deadline. Nylander's not signed. You're pushing for the Stanley Cup. What do you what do you do? Do you let this 27-year-old like stud just walk in the offseason? That's that's the bigger question here cuz I don't think they get a deal done. They can't. It's impossible. Well, it's not impossible, but it's it's improbable. What would you do? It's it's such a big because you're basically he's worth two or three first rounders. Like that's how good this kid is. I don't know. It's I I do not envy his situation, Tim. No, I mean eight ish months from now, approaching the deadline, they're going to be first or second in the division. They're going to be winning everything, and he's going to have a crossroads. Like, do I trade Nylander and get someone else who could help me this year? Because that's still going to be the priority while also getting some picks for the future and getting fair value for what he's worth? Or do you keep him around and risk losing one or both of them for nothing, both of them being Matthews and Nylander? And whatever decision you make, you are going to get like lambasted by the fans of Toronto, unless you win the cup. But if you go to the cup finals and you lose, even if you go to the finals and Nylander doesn't come back for nothing, you'll you'll never be forgiven. And it's, it's a lose-lose. And this isn't just a Nylander Matthews thing. You have Bertuzzi, you have Domi, you have Laftree, you have Brody, you have Klingberg. All of these guys are upcoming UFAs. 
it's very rare you see a contending team with Stanley Cup aspirations have a salary cap situation like this. It sets them up for future success. I like where they're at. If this was a middle of the road team, I like it. This is a Stanley Cup contending perennial. I know they haven't won anything in the playoffs, but every year, everyone's, you know, this is the year for Toronto. They have the roster. They have the guys. Half the team could be gone next year. More than half the team. They have nine guys who are going to be UFAs after this season. That's that's it's pretty remarkable. But anyways, I don't think Nylander resigns. Would you rather have Nylander for 10 or nine and a half or have Matthews for 13 and a half? What what makes it so tricky is Tavares. So I think I'd rather have Matthews. Uh, yeah, I think I yeah. would rather have you too. Yeah, I mean, were, were you going to say because you don't know, you don't want to be without a one C if Tavares starts to decline? No, I think Tavares has already started to decline a little bit, and he's the reason that they're having a hard time getting over that hump. Like I like him; he puts up points. It's hard not to put up points when you're playing with the players he's playing with. But you know, <sighs> I wish he wasn't on Toronto. <laughs> he, he makes too much. For what he does to this team. So I don't know. It's tough. He's their captain. He really, I, two years ago, I said he was a straw that stirs the drink. Now I want him off the team. It's so funny how things change, but just strictly salary cap based, he's the reason why they're in this predicament. I like Marner. I like Matthews. I like Nylander. I like all these guys. They're good players. If Tavares isn't there, this is not an issue at all. So no one's going to take on his contract. Anything else in Toronto, Tim, you want to touch on? No, let's move on. All right, moving on. A couple other superstars, and I mean superstars, are having issues. What's going on with a little Debrinket up in Ottawa, Tim? What's the newest information up there? Well, we talked a few weeks ago about him, you know, not formally requesting a trade, but basically his agent was saying he wanted to try it on a new team. And so there's a kind of this rumor swirling about Debrinket, and then meanwhile, Tarasenko is being linked to Ottawa. He's arguably the top free agent left uh, to be signed on the market still. And there's a tweet from Andrew Strickland that that kind of clarified the situation. And he said, barring a sudden shift, and as always, things can change very quickly. My guess is that the Brinkett situation is, has held up Ottawa from signing Tarasenko. Once he's moved, most likely to the Red Wings, that will open up the door for Tarasenko to sign with Ottawa. So it's looking like they're working out a deal to send to Brinkett uh, to Detroit for you know a, a trade and sign. and then. The, uh, Tarasenko will sign in Ottawa. So that's most likely the situation to bring it to an RFA whose rights are still owned by Ottawa at this point. Hmm. Interesting. <sighs> if Detroit, I, I like Steve Eiserman. I think he, he has done really, really great things in this league. If Detroit trades for Debrinket and gives up draft capital or prospects and then proceeds to sign him for anything more than $7 million. It's a huge loss for the Detroit Red Wings. I, I, I don't like what Stevie wise done this off season. I don't think the Red Wings are better this year than they were last year. I think his back end is is very suspect. Mo Sider is the only decent player on that back end that I like. 
He brought in Ben Sherratt last year, signed him to this massive deal. He's 32 years old. I don't like that deal. He brings in Shane Goss to spare, signs him for four, four and a half, Tim, almost. Just for one year. I don't like that deal. He brings in Justin Hall, gives him 3.4 for three years. I hate that deal. I don't understand this deal. He trades for Jake Wallman last year, gives up a first rounder. Don't understand that. Their defense sucks. Can I just say it? Am I allowed to say that? Very fair. I don't like what I don't like what he's done with this team. He had so much, so many options, and he's just flushing it down the drain. He's bringing in good players, but it's almost like a revamp of the Montreal Canadiens era with Mark Bergerman, where you're just bringing in third line guys. You're bringing in hard workers. You're not bringing in talent. You're bringing in cop. You're bringing in comfort. You're bringing in Sprong. You're bringing in Fisher. There's no talent there. Surround Lucas Raymond with good players. Surround Dylan Larkin with good players. Maybe this is why they're trying to bring Debrinket in. I don't know. I think you're going to overpay for Debrinket. You're going to sign him to a big deal. Look at this roster. They ain't going nowhere. They're not. Well, they, they do have some cap room. What if they trade for Debrinket and then go sign Patrick Kane? Get those two guys together on a different uniform. It's still not enough. It's not enough in the East right now. No, not enough to contend, but it makes him more fun to watch and also probably gives Raymond a better chance of progressing and upskilling this year. For a team three years ago that had Larkin, that had Bertuzzi, that had, did they have Anthony Mantha? They had like lots of good young players. They had, they just got Mo Sider. They had Lucas Raymond. They were going to get all kinds of salary cap space. They had draft picks up to Ying Yang. Fast forward to now, huge disappointment, which Steve Eisman has done. Remember, we were, we were lauding the Red Wings. Three years, they could be Stanley Cup contenders. Them, Ottawa, and Buffalo. Detroit's not even in the conversation anymore. What I specifically remember was like, okay, he has no contracts. He's going to have yeah. so much space. He can go out and bring in whoever he wants. He's going to be running the table in free agency. And yeah, he's brought in Andrew Kopp and Justin Hall. You know? He signed Kublik. He's, he got Kim Clem Claston and re-signed him. That's great. Sprong, that's fantastic. Yeah, he's he's going to make a difference. Christian Fisher, re-up Dylan Larkin. That's great. Uh, swing and a miss, I guess. They they all can't be Tampa Bay Lightnings. It is what it is. So Debrinket's going to go there. Tarasenko, strangely enough, has fired his agents, and now he's represented by CAA, those big guys over there. Rumor got out that he was being offered in the range of five to six million per year, and he was not happy about that. So he gassed his agents. He wants more money. Don't you think that five to six million for Vladimir Tarasenko is right where his value should be at this point? Um, probably, but guys are getting paid more than they're worth all the time, and so he wants to be one of them. It's it's less about what he brings and more about the comparables. Yeah, I just feel like this offseason is is different. And the effects of COVID, the effects of the salary cap, they're finally sinking in. Teams are not overextending. Teams can't overextend. You go to market and there's no money there. Tyler Bertuzzi is a prime example. Tyler Bertuzzi is younger. Tyler Bertuzzi is more effective at this point in his career than Vladimir Tarasenko. And he only got five and a half for one year. So if Tarasenko has this grand idea that he's going to get a deal in the seven, eight million dollar range. I think he's going to be sorely disappointed. This guy, if he was getting offers from Carolina, which has been, um, what's it called? 
said for five and a half to six million dollars, he should have jumped at that opportunity. Okay, but listen to these deals. Alex Kalorn, four years at six point two five per. Jason Zucker, one year five point three. Barbashev, five by five. I mean, he deserves more than these guys, doesn't he? No. Maybe not maybe not Barbashev. Maybe not any of them. You don't think he deserves more than Kalorn or Zucker? I don't. I, well, maybe Zucker. I'll give you Zucker. Kalorn's a good player. Everybody forgets about Kalorn. He was a huge part of those Tampa Bay Lightning teams. The guy puts up points. He's a good hockey player. Barbashev at this point is better than Vladimir Tarasenko. Tarasenko, don't forget, has had major injury concerns the last three, four years. So it's not like he's a spring chicken who's going to go out there and you're going to get him for five, six years. He is on the back nine, maybe even the back five of his career. This guy is in la la land if he thinks he's going to get seven eight million dollars sorry well, that's just the way i see it in the past five years he's only scored more than 10 goals one time um and that was two years ago three years ago he scored 34 goals 21 22 and beyond and every year he's been healthy he scored 30 plus but beyond that is a lot of uh a lot of injuries a lot of missed games yeah 1920, three goals, 10 games. 2021, four goals, 24 games. Healthy in 21, 22, he got 34 goals. The resurgence. The next year, he's getting 18 goals in 70 or 69 games. The combination of St. Louis and New York. Uh, the fact that a team offered him five and a half, six million dollars, which was reported, I would be ecstatic. Especially a team like Carolina, where you know you're going to get opportunities, you're going to win cup aspirations. He should have jumped at it. I don't know. It's one of the situations where it's like, I used to be a superstar. Yeah, you did. You're not anymore. You're a good second, third line guy. Like, let's just embrace that. Take the money and go to a winning team. Now he's going to try to force his way to a contract and he's going to, I don't know. He buried me one time, Vladimir Tarasenko. Reverse hit me center ice in St. Louis. Oh my gosh. So embarrassing. I thought that was Sabatka. They both actually, you know what? Tarasenko did it in the corner. Sabatka was center ice your ice. They both uh-huh. they used to have such a heavy team. Oh, I hated playing thick boys. Thick boys. Thick. Thick boys. All right. Moving on. What's going on with Kopitar here, Tim? Well, speaking of guys getting a lot of money, he signed an extension two years at seven million dollars per. He's 36 years old, coming off a great season, 74 points. They made the playoffs, but it seems like a lot, doesn't it? Don't you feel like most of the guys, the Bergeron is the closest comparable, 36 years old last year, coming off of 65 points in 73 games. He signed a one-year deal worth two and a half. How is Kopitar getting $14 million? <laughs> No idea, especially because he has one more year left on his deal this year at $10 million. So he's extending even early. So it's a great deal for Kopitar. I think this plays a lot into just... He is LA's guy. He's their captain. He's their leader. He's been there his whole career. He's going to finish his career there, probably play 1,400 games in LA. He's going to get the statue. A lot of sentimental stuff going on. I don't know. It's it's a lot. It's it's a lot of money. I don't understand what Rob Blake's doing, but it I don't know. He's gonna be 38 when he retires. Usually at this point, like you said, you give him a three, give him a four million dollar a year deal. But it does what it does. It takes the pressure off Pierre-Luc Dubois. It takes the pressure off Philip Deneau. It lets Ansi Kopitar eat those minutes on the first line, second line. He's going to play against the other team's first line, most likely. He's still a very good defensive forward, and he puts up points. So, like, he's worth it if he keeps 
you know, putting up numbers like he did last year. Don't get me wrong. Like, how can you not give a guy who put up 74 points $7 million? The year before, he got 67 points. His play hasn't dipped at all, Tim. He's been steady as she goes, regardless if the LA is good or bad. He is the one consistent there. So if he continues to put up points and produce in the playoffs like he's always done, I like it. But it just does seem like a lot for a guy of his age. You're right. Usually you see those guys taking like team-friendly deals at this point, staying around, still still the captain, still even playing first-line minutes, but they're they're not getting the top bang for their buck. So good for him for getting it. Getting and he's paid. much better than Bergeron. Right? Don't you think? <laughs> I'm declining to answer that. Well, what do their career points look like? Because Kopitar is a point per game guy. He he has done it his whole entire career. He's got multiple Stanley Cups under his belt. What does a Bergeron have? Does he even have anywhere near a point per game? Rip up his stats, Tim. Yeah, I don't I'm know pulling it up now. Patrice Bergeron compared. Yeah, he's very close. 1,040 points in 1,200 games, almost 1,300 games. So not even close. Yes. So he's Kopitar is yes. better. Kopitar is better than that. That's an interesting one. Who would you rather Kopitar, take? Anzi yeah. Kopitar or Patrice Bergeron? You got two cups to one Kopitar's favor. You have more Selkies in Bergeron's favor. That's such a stupid award. What's worth more, a Selkie or a Stanley Cup? People are wondering. Nobody's wondering that. Only you and Jack Edwards are wondering that. It's <laughs> like it's such a dumb, dumb question. All right. Good for Anzi Kopitar. Good for Patrice Bergeron. Some would say the reason they lost in the playoffs this last season. He was zero and three in the playoffs. They were no up one three to one. That. No one. He was. Uh, Bruins are up three to one. Correct me if I'm wrong. Bergeron enters the lineup. He does not win a game. There's got to be something else we can talk about here. Uh, well, I miss uh, that. That did happen. Okay, moving on. Keep his name season. out of your mouth. Arbitration season is upon us. And arbitration is a very rare tool that's rarely used. There's only two major sports league that ha- sports leagues that have this option. It's the Major League Baseball and the NHL. What happens is a team controls a player until they're 26 years old. A team has the option to sign a player, can match contracts, whatever they want to do. You, pl- you sign your first three-year entry-level contract, which is three years. Once that's done, you become a st- restricted free agent. It gives the players a little bit of flexibility. You can go out. You can find another contract. If you find that contract, it's called an offer sheet. Your current team can match it. And if they don't want to match it, the team that gave you that contract has to give up draft capital to your current team. If that makes sense. Players can opt for salary arbitration. Teams can opt for salary arbitration if you cannot come to a deal. It's very rare that it goes to the full salary arbitration, third-party, neutral observer, doling out a contract. Most likely, the last few years, I think teams and players come to an agreement before it gets to arbitration. But this year, 22 players have decided to opt into the salary arbitration option. Most of them are kind of lackluster. You don't really care about, but there are some worthwhile contracts to be had here. And I'm going to play a little game, Tim. It's called Guess the Salary They Get. And there's some big names here that you would think are a lot older than they actually are, but they're still salary arbitration eligible. And they're going to get some big do re mi dollar amounts. 
The first one I want to talk about is a player I've talked about about quite a bit, actually, especially last year. Vince Dunn for the Seattle Kraken, coming off a very good season, all-star season. Seattle Kraken made it to the Western Conference Finals, surprisingly. Last year, he made $4 million. What does Vince Dunn make next year? He had 64 points in 81 games. He's a proven defender in the NHL. He's played almost 500 games. What is a Vince Dunn worth to you, Tim? I'm going to guess somewhere in the six and a half, seven range. For how um, many years? <laughs> this is uh, five years. I'm thinking he's probably asking for eight, and the team's probably at five and a half to six. So I think somewhere in the middle. So the way with, with this works is it, it, it's such a weird situation where it almost ruins the relationship between the team and the player. Because you go to this, yeah. you go to this third party arbitrator. Vince Dunn will bring his dollar amount, what he thinks he's worth. The team will bring their dollar amount, what they think Vince Dunn is work worth. And then you have to prove your argument. And everybody's in the same room. And so the Seattle Kraken are saying, you know, Vince is a good player, but we don't think he's worth eight million dollars, and these are the reasons why. And Vince just sitting there going, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, thanks, appreciate it. Like, there's my GM and the other top execs just throwing me under the bus. And then Vince Dunn, once they're finished, has to come around and go, okay, this is why I am worth that much. I put up these many points. I'm, you know, a rock in the locker room. This and that. You can't bring up other players' contracts because that's, I don't know why you can't bring that up, but it's just, it fractures relations. This is why it very rarely goes to this point. But when it does, these relationships don't really last for that much longer. All right, moving on. Can Let's I ask first, um, has, any, has any of your like close teammates, like a Bickle or Odd or whatever the guys you were closer with gone through that? Have you heard anything about like, No, it's that very rare. The only time it will, um, Thomas Vanek got an offer sheet. That was the first major one. He, he received an offer sheet from Edmonton. That was a huge one. And he signed it. And then the Sabres had the match. But it's very rare that it gets to the point of salary arbitration. So no, I, I've never been on a team when someone has gone through this because it is so rare. All right, moving on. Your Boston Bruins, Trent Frederick. We'll start with him because they have two going to arbitration. And we know how, how much cap space the Bruins have. Well documented. Don Sweeney's just been killing it this offseason. Trent Frederick going into arbitration. He's coming to the table. He's like, hey, I made 1.05 last year, drastically underpaid. I hit. I give life to the team. I had 31 points for a fourth, third line guy. That's unbelievable. The guys love me in the locker room. I want how much, Tim? How much does Trent Frederick want from the Boston Bruins? How much does he want? Probably, I don't know, four. Um, I'm giving him two and a half. That's my number. Two and a half? Okay, that's a good number. I think that would be a fair number. Double his salary. Walk away happy. Jeremy Swayman, friend of the show. He's going into arbitration. He wants a new deal. He was... Arguably the starting goaltender, not this year, but last year, he played 41 games, a lion's share of the games. This year, he played 37 games. Stellar numbers. Over 9.92 save percentage. His goals against was 2.27. That's fantastic. Playoffs, he stunk. Let's call a spade a spade. The guy was junk in the playoffs. But he's a good young goaltender. He only made $1 million last year. 
He's still yet to reach his peak. He's 24 years old, Tim. He's walking in. He wants a new deal. He's looking at Don Sweeney. He looks him right in the eye. He says, Don, I want this much. What's that amount, Tim? Um, well, okay. I'm looking at the last 10 or so goalie signings. There were over $5 million. And the only one that goes higher than five and a half, six is Sorokin that just signed last week. All the other goalies are in the five range. Tristan Jari, Jack Campbell, Darcy Kemper, Cal Peterson, Merzlikens, UC Saros, Shesterkin, Grubauer, Allmark, Demko, all about $5 million to $5.5 million. So I'm thinking that's what his number is going to be. He could try to get more. I can't imagine him giving more than that. What do you think? You, th- you think he's going to ask for five? Uh, he might ask for more, but I don't think he's going to get more than that. <sighs> I see. Yeah, I-, I am very conservative. I feel like he will get three, 3.2. The numbers are really good. His career numbers are really good. He's still very young, coming off the um, a, a small contract, but the sample size is small. You know, never I mean? been a like, starter. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I could give. Hey, I give him five. The, if just say they the arbitrator awards him five, do the Bruins take it? They can walk away. It's up to them. They can totally walk away. You have to take it. You should take it and trade Olmark. I don't know why they haven't done that already. You don't have to take it. You can walk away. I know, but I'm saying you can't let him walk away. Well, you might, because if they sign him, who's going to take Allmark in his $5 million contract? There's, we, we just teams, finished. He just won the Vezina, John. He's, he's, we he's just finished contract. talking about how there's no money in the system. Teams just can't, oh, yeah, $5 million, sure, I'll take it. Like that, That's very hard to find a team who's going to put $5 million into their goaltending duo. Teams most likely have their goaltending duel set by this point. He's got two more years at $5 million per. He just won the Vezina. I think he would be a very attractive trade candidate for every team that could afford him. Well, why is, is he even a trade candidate if he's so attractive? Because the Bruins are in cap hell, and they have no yeah. choice. All right. Another goaltender finally. He's wanted to hear me say that. Yeah. Well, the Bruins. Uh, I Listen, the Bruins were my favorite team growing up. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, it's just, it's the state of the nation. It is what it is. All right. The Toronto Maple Leafs, Elias Samson up going into salary arbitration. He was coming off of a one year, $1.8 million deal, kind of bet on himself deal. And boy, did it pay off. He was a stud this year. 2.3 goals against, against 0.919 save percentage, a tick below Jeremy Swayman. What does he want from Toronto? Knowing full well that Toronto's goaltending situation is absolutely atrocious at this point they have nobody between joseph wall matt murray that's not the answer if i'm Elias samsonov i'll take this one he's going and asking for six that's it like i i think you shoot for the fences you are worth so much to this team you go in asking for six million dollars what do you think he's going to ask for tim that was my number six or seven and i think he'll probably land somewhere around five like those other guys we listed oh and then It's even a worse situation for Toronto salary cap wise, but what makes it worse is they have to sign this guy. They cannot go into this season with Murray wall. Not a chance. You have to re up Samson off. You have to get this guy locked in. And what this does, if Toronto does accept the deal, it opens up a second buyout window for them, which is a luxury. Not a lot of teams have, and they can just buy out Matt Murray. So I think that's what will happen. They'll accept, Whatever arbitrator comes to, they'll accept it for Elias Samsonov, and then you're going to buy out Matt Murray if it goes that far. 
but most times it doesn't. But it's just fun to talk about. Anybody else you want to talk about? There's Tanner Janot. There's Kurashev from Chicago. There's Brett Howden, Stanley Cup champion for the Vegas Golden Knights. There's Gustafson. There's a lot of good players. Troy Terry, Gabriel Villari from the Winnipeg Jets. We can't do them all, Tim. Is there anybody else you wanted to talk about? No, you covered the ones I wanted to get into. I, I'm I'm fascinated by this process. I, I I would not be good at sitting in a room where everyone's talking about the pros and cons of me as a player. I think it would be very uncomfortable. Um, but I, I'm sure there's going to be at least one or two surprises. Guys going for a lot more, a lot less than we thought here today. I will hazard a guess. Zero of these go to arbitration. Zero? There's always Zero. some. No, there's not. There's most most times like 2001, 2002. There wasn't any. Okay. 21, 22, excuse me. All right. Eric Carlson rumors. And this is where I was going to touch on Kyle Dubas. You know, his first swing in a free agency, Kyle Dubas, um, not, not really great. I, I don't think he really made a huge impact with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Who did he bring in? Jeff Petrie? Sign him? I, I don't know who else he... Ryan Graves, excuse me. Four and a half million over seven years or something. Uh, not impressed by that. Re-up Tristan Yari, 5.375 for five years. Uh, I don't know. Well, the rumor mills are swirling that he is kicking the tires on Eric Carlson. And the offer that is reportedly being offered to San Jose, and if it is and he hasn't accepted it, I don't know why... Mike Greer is even a GM in this NHL right now. But the reported offer that Kyle Dubas has to San Jose right now for Eric Carlson is him eating $9 million in cap, Joseph, two first-rounders, and Mikhail Grandlin. That's so insane to me if that's an offer, and Mike Greer hasn't accepted that yet. Let me repeat that. Eric Carlson with... $9 $9 million cap hit. So San Jose eats $1 million. Joseph, two first rounders, and Mikhail Grandlin. That's insane. That's insane that he's not doing that. Is, is This the, can't be true, right? <laughs> is there any reason to suspect that, that Latang and Carlson would work better than Burns and Carlson did? I know, right? It's so bizarre. Well, to to think that they would have over almost $35 million on their back end if they did acquire this guy is so dumb. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. That's why I don't think this is real. I really does he, don't. Does he make them a cup contender if that deal goes through? No, are you nuts? No, no. I think he makes a team worse. <laughs> going to like i am all out on eric carlson at this point and it's funny to hear the sharks fans defend him and stuff and he's got over 100 points and this and that would you rather have a defenseman get 100 points and just be a total liability on the back end like it was very you would watch a san jose game and there was a lot of times he was like a young Brent Burns where he was in the offensive zone more than he was a defensive zone. I'm like, are you playing defense? Are you, or would you rather have a defenseman like a Jakob Slavin or a Jacob Slavin, however you want to call it in Carolina, who maybe puts up 30 points, 40 points, but is just a stud on the back end. I think the answer is obvious. You want a Slavin, Slavin, Jacob, Jacob, Jakob. So if Dubas is offering this contract, he needs to be fired today 
And if Mike Greer has this offer sitting on his table and he hasn't accepted it, he needs to be fired now. Like you sign that contract as quick as you get it. This deal is is like as good as it's going to get. I was always under the impression that you would have to give up a first rounder to trade Eric Carlson and his massive contract. That's still, by the way, on the books for another three years, I believe, at $10 million. And this guy is getting older and older. Sorry, $11.5 million. It's worse. Does does the fact that he won the Norris add value? Or does it not really matter? It's perceived value. Yeah. It, it, no. In, in my eyes, it doesn't. Because he shouldn't have won it. It was a bad... The Norris is a sham now in my eyes. It's not the best defenseman. It's the defenseman who gets the most points. Okay. You can't sit there and smirk and roll your eyes and tell me and not lie to me that Carlson, if you're drafting a team, Carlson's not even my top 10 defenseman. Agreed. I agree. And on and top of that, the fact that he makes 11 and a half, like if Carlson made five and a half, then you put up with that stuff. You know what I mean? But I don't even care about salary. I don't even care about that. He's not a good defenseman. He's not. If I'm drafting a team tomorrow, He's not in my top 10 for defense. I'm taking Fox. I'm taking McAvoy. I'm taking Yossi. I'm taking Hamilton. I'm taking McCarr. I'm taking Heiskanen. I'm taking Hedman. I'm taking Hughes. Petrangelo. I'm going Orlov even. I'm ga- like Ekblad, Riley. There's so many other players. Hampus Lindholm over him. He's probably not even in my top 15, 20. On defense. And I'm not doing that for effect for the show to go, oh, let's meme this crap up. I don't think he's a good defenseman. That's all. I yeah, maybe I'd put him on my three four and say let her rep, go for it. Maybe he might be my top fifteen at that point. So there you go. Yeah, Dubas. That, that, that can't be that can't be correct. It has to be wrong. All right. What else? Who who retired here? Yeah, Patrick Hornquist retired. I was looking at his numbers. It's a pretty underrated career. He had um, 543 points, I think, in about 900 games. He has two Stanley Cup championships. He won a gold medal with Sweden. Really good player, super effective. I think he kind of he reminded me of um, um, what's his name for Detroit they had in the, like 15 years ago. That big, what the, the mule, Franzen. You reminded me of him a little. Yeah, bit. Johan Franzen. Yep. Yeah. Uh, any any good run-ins with him over the years? Um, not really. Yeah. No. Good player. Uh, I didn't. I, I, I tried not to play against the first line players. So, <laughs> but he was just like, he was like a, like a Joe Pavelski. He, he would tip. He would be always in the mix. He wasn't afraid to go in the corners. He just a good player, a, a perfect player to ride shotgun to Crosby. Like he really was for a long time. He would just benefit from all those shots and feeds and pa- like it, it, good player. Very good player. Good for him. Happy. Uh, happy. Had a good career. All right. We're going to do a voicemail Tim. Uh, yeah, I've got a few here. Let me cue it up here. And I was showing John listeners that this works better now and you're going to be able to hear it and um, just better quality all around. So I'm going to fire up a few here that we've gotten from listeners lately. <clears throat> all right. You ready, John? Sure. It's working great, Tim. <laughs> I know I spoke too soon. One sec. This is Lance calling from Utah. 
I was just curious what your favorite team, NHL team logo is from a design standpoint, from an aesthetics, not necessarily from a legacy um, sports standpoint, but which one you like to look at and also which is your least favorite. Thank you very much. Bye. All right. I'm hearing these for the first time. Tim, what's your favorite? I really like uh, the Red Wings and the Blackhawks. I know those are the kind of the two that everyone says. I think those are beautiful. I would also love the uh, the Mighty Ducks logo. The Mighty Ducks, not the Danaheim Ducks, with the goalie mask and everything. Um, least favorite, probably the New Ducks and the Dallas Stars. I think is pretty lame. I mean, I don't. I'm not super. You know, some people have really strong opinions on this, but I would I would say those stand out to me. What about you? Yeah. I'm not super passionate about it. I think there's a lot of good logos in the league. Yeah, Dallas is tough. I don't like Dallas's, but I think ones people don't talk about very often. The Pittsburgh Penguins have a pretty solid one. Like the tough looking penguin holding the stick. I, I like that. I like the Buffalo Sabres. I think that's a neat one. But the the original six are always there. I think those are really solid ones. Arizona's, it's all right. I think the one that I don't like is the one you touched on, the Dallas Stars. And also, I've never really been a fan of the Carolina Hurricanes logo. I, I, I get it. It's a hurricane. It's the eye of the storm. I understand it. I just, I've never been a huge fan of it. But as a whole, I think the league has done a very good job with their logos. I think they're all solid capitals. Could use a little bit of work. It's just their name. I, I, it's not very creative. But, you know, Philly, Montreal, I think Columbus, the newer teams that have come into the league, Vegas, Seattle, they're really good. Even Nashville back in the day, they're all really solid logos. Like Seattle is simple, but it's, it's nice. I like it. Good question, Lance. Thank you. Name is Mike. Let's do one more twin. Oh, I, uh, sorry. Live in Florida currently, but I'm a Michigan Tech grad. I was wondering <clears throat> if he's ever crossed paths with Andy Sutton, who evidently was a pretty fierce player in his day. Uh, see what John has to say about him. Well, he went to Tech as well. Um, Andy Sutton was on the show, right? Wasn't he, Tim? Yeah, I looked it up. We had him on September 2021, so about two years ago. But, Mike, if you look it up and you Google Andy Sutton dropping the gloves, you'll find that episode. It's a pretty good interview. We had some good stories. He was undrafted too, right? I don't know. Um, yeah. I never played. Did I play against him? I don't know. He was one of those guys who was big, but just not that tough. A la Hal Gill, who, um, Corey Cross, those types of players who were just tall and big, good defensemen, but just couldn't fight a lick. So if me and Andy would have dropped the gloves, I would have just destroyed him. But we never did because he knew his he knew his place, right? His thing was the hip checks. Remember him talking about that? I do. Yeah, he was, he was good, pumping he was his uh, company Ver, Verbero or whatever. Verbero hockey wasn't that him? Oh, I don't remember. Or did he have a winery? I can't remember. He had something, it's yeah. So long. Let's do one more. Do you got it queued up, Tim, or do you want to just be on our way? I'll save it. I'll save it for next time. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for joining us. We still got to get Luch on. I got to text him back. He's been ghosting me a little bit, but I hope everybody enjoyed the show. We'll talk to you on Monday. Have a good drive, Tim. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. It means you're a lot. Welcome. It's going to take, take a long time, but you're going to do great. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.